If you brought your Bibles and you want to turn with me this morning, I want to read uh, beginning in the book of John, chapter 3. So again, if you brought your Bibles, we're going to start reading this morning in the book of John, chapter 3. Uh, and we'll start turning to some other places uh, in just a little bit. Again, John chapter 3, if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn those on uh, over to John chapter 3. Uh, and I will skip on down to about the uh, 7th verse I want to read to you, if I may, for just a second. John chapter 3 uh, and verse 7 says, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. This morning, I want you to think about what are your non-negotiables. Again, I want to give you that title this morning, non-negotiables. We're going to see a lot of places this morning that entail about things that must happen. Now, we live in a time, and I say a time, not like it's current, but all throughout the history of time, people have always wanted exemptions. All an exemption means we know what the criteria is, we know what's required, but would you just pull me out of that and maybe make an exception or an exemption? You see, I want you to notice this morning when we read in these scriptures that beginning in John chapter 3, and we're going to read in about two or three places here in John chapter 3, that there are some things that are non-negotiable. Now, if you want to negotiate what the temperature is in the church house this morning, I have no problem with that. We can all put our, our favorite temperature in a hat and we can draw them all out and we can come up with an average there and uh, all of a sudden we can just say that's what we're going to put on. We, we can negotiate those things. But there's some things that cannot be negotiated this morning. There's some things that I believe the world is going to try to compromise. Now, what time we start our service and, 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 and all these things that, that really don't bother me too much, there's something that we have to see are must. Non-negotiables. And beginning in John chapter 3, we see one that says, You must be born again. I was very curious what the word must means. Now I know for you and for me, when I say must, it just means there's no way around it. It's going to happen or has to happen. So I looked it up. The word must means necessity brought on by circumstances or by conduct of others Toward us. So you mean to tell me that the actions of one person can affect you in your life? Absolutely, 100% that is true. If you don't believe me, go back to the very beginning when it says Adam and Eve sinned. And the Bible says that that sin, whether you asked for it or whether you realize you asked for it or not, that sin was passed down to you. And because of that sin, you must be born again. You see, we don't have electives. We don't have things in our life that, 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 that are with God. They're non-negotiable. He tells us very plainly, you must be born again. So these are actions of the, these are the circumstances of the actions of other people that have befallen upon us. Now, I also looked it up and it said that it is a necessity in reference to what is required to attain some end. In other words, it's something that is necessary if you want a required end. I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. Where do you want to go when you die? I want to ask you a very simple question. What do you want to happen to you when you take your last breath? Well, preacher, can we just pause all this, 
this doom stuff and let's just realize is that we're trying to live life. You are living in order to die. So let's admit something. We'll talk about the positives later on. But the truth of the matter is something that is non-negotiable this morning is you are going to die. So um, if, if the word must that we're reading about here in some other places means something that is in, that, that must happen in order to get uh, attain some end, then what is our end result? If you want burnt cookies, you know how to burn the cookies. If you want the cookies to come out just right, there's some criteria that must happen. Now, I'm not trying to, to, to compare salvation to cookies, but I am saying is that in our life, there's either things that we can do or cannot do. What is your end result that you want? Sadly, there are some people that they don't want to go to heaven or hell. They just want to die and not exist. Well, that's a non-negotiable this morning. When you leave this world, folks, it's heaven or hell. When we say must happen, or we talk about things that are non-negotiable, Jesus tells uh, Nicodemus here in John chapter 3, he said, you must be born again. Turn over, if you will, for just a minute to Luke chapter 24. Back just a few pages, if you will. It's not very far. To the very last chapter of the book of Luke chapter 24. Jesus had risen and he appeared on his disciples here in the 44th verse. And he said unto them. He's trying to overcome all their fears, all their doubts, all the uncertainty. And now that they're ready to listen, notice what Jesus speaks unto them. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was with you. That all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. You see, the promise of the coming Messiah, there, there are images of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. The first we ever see of Jesus might have been definitely when, when uh, Mary gave birth as a virgin unto a child, but the existence of Jesus was long before his birth. Jesus existed, I believe, ever since the beginning of time when, when God created the heavens and the earth, that there was in, in the part of the Trinity that was there, that, that he existed in that point. Because you see, even then, God knew that man was going to need a redeemer. For all throughout the Old Testament, the scriptures teach us and they remind us and they tell us over and over and over again is that there, there must be a sacrifice of a, of a lamb that's been slain from the foundation of the world. There must be a blood sacrifice on your sins that you commit. You see, throughout the history of not just time, but particularly in the Bible and the scripture teaches us about sacrifices that must be made. All of those sacrifices in the Old Testament, how temporary they were. But Jesus gives us an eternal sacrifice that we need. It's not temporary. It doesn't have a shelf life that's only going to, to be for the duration of your lifetime. Folks, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary is sufficient throughout all of eternity. And we're going to read about some of these things in just a minute. But he says, some of these things that must happen, he said. He said, uh, he says that all things must be fulfilled. Now, when I say must be fulfilled, he tells us that there are some things non-negotiable. You cannot hurry him up. You cannot slow him down. 
We talked about in Sunday school lesson this morning about how the people have tried to predict and they tried to, to estimate the time of which the Lord's going to come back. And you see what? The, the, the thing about it is it's non-negotiable that these things must happen. Jesus had resurrected. He was about to ascend. And when he did, he said, I want you to know something. He said, I'm going to come back at the right time. He said, I'm going to come back exactly the way it's supposed to happen. One thing that's non-negotiable, folks, you cannot slow him down and you cannot speed him up. If, you want, if we could slow him down, people would say, let me just live my life and let me just wait before the Lord comes back. And they would kind of put a halt on things. He said that these things are going to be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets. You see, these prophets were like living uh, religious leaders or religious uh, guides, I guess you would say, that would guide people unto Christ uh, and that relationship with God, I should say. But in all of these things, he said, all of these things must be fulfilled. And he even mentions the Psalms. I love reading the Psalms. The Psalms are for those that hurt. You can feel the hurt of our Savior. You can feel the pain that, that David went through. You can feel the pain that, that the saints have, have gone through out all the years. We can do these things. And he says that all of these things must be fulfilled. 2 Corinthians, let me turn over for just a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let me skip on down to about the 21st verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now notice what he's saying here is that, that, that in 2 Corinthians that, that Jesus took on sin for us so that we might become the one that is sinless. He took on sin. That, that was a non-negotiable. Paul tells us there in the book of Romans chapter 6. I'll read that to you real quick. Romans chapter 6 and in verse 23. Notice what he says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, there's, there's some things we cannot negotiate today. Is that it took, in order for God to be pleased, it took a sinless sacrifice. Now what I mean by that is, is that, you see, God was only going to prove something that was perfect. Now you might take your works. Let's take your works for a little bit. And let's just assume for a little while that you have some good in the lifestyle that you live. But you have to remember, our works are not to be choose and pick about what we want to give unto God. They're lumped together as a whole. In other words, if we're going to keep the law, we have to keep all of the law. We can't just say that we're about 90% compliant because the scripture says that if you break one letter of the law, you're guilty of breaking all of the law. So therefore, if we bring our works before God, it's not sufficient. Folks, there's a non-negotiable that I want you to know this morning that the wages of sin is death. And that because of sin, there had to be a perfect sacrifice given and your works are going to fall short. All the good deeds that we have in us, folks, they're not good enough. Do you know what we one day, I thank God that I'm going to stand before Him and say, Lord, I may not have done right on this day and that day, but I know something inside of me that was done right. And it was the work of the Holy Spirit that I, the Lord saved my soul. Folks, that is not an imperfect work. That is a perfect work that the Spirit of God will do in the soul of an individual. This morning, that, that there's some things that we see here, uh, and particularly there in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. 
For the wages of sin is death. That is non-negotiable this morning. That is a must thing that must happen. But the gift of God is eternal life. And I want you to notice what it says. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, this morning it's important that we are saved by the perfect one. Paul said there in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Wherefore, if by one man sinned and into the world... Death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, the word redeemed that we've been talking about the last few minutes actually comes from the Greek word that means to pay the required price. The word redeemed means to pay a required price. Bananas and apples and oranges and pineapples on the market today have absolutely zero ability to speak and say what they're worth. All those fruits and vegetables and items that you buy at a supermarket, their price or their value was determined by something else. Nowhere in the history of time and throughout the scriptures has God ever asked man, what do you want to pay for the price of a soul? That was determined by God. God set a price so high for your soul to be bought again and cleansed and washed. It was so high that there's not anything that you can do to attain it. Your good works, not, there's not enough wealth, there's not enough means that you can have in this life that's going to find favor with God. But here's the good part, folks. It's just non-negotiable. There still has to be a price to be paid. But thanks be unto God, even though through your shortcomings, Jesus made it sufficient. Folks, if you take Jesus out of the equation and you remove him, we don't have what we need to be righteous in the eyes of God. We don't have that. You can try it, but we cannot have that. And what he's talking about here is that this redemption that that, that we see here that Paul's talking about, particularly in Romans, he said, it was paid by Jesus Christ. He said, wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, it says, and death by sin... That's non-negotiable today. Death happens because of sin. People sometimes wonder, well, what did I do to cause this? Folks, sin is at the root of all the things that cause us the miseries in our life. And it says, and therefore it says, and death, and so death passed upon all men. You want to talk about something non-negotiable? You want to talk about an exemption? Name me somebody today that's exempt from having to experience these things. We all are. And that's what he said. He said, he says, upon all men, for that all have sinned. This morning, I realize and I understand is that there's a lot of things in our life that we, we change and there's a lot of things in our life that we want to kind of to cover up. And one of those things is accountability for the sinfulness that we have in our life. And what I mean by that is it's easy for us to walk out in the world today and say, well, this happened because of this or this person or this situation. The truth of the matter is, folks, we're all sinners. There's not one of us, even in the best of times in our life, not even the greatest deeds that we can do, there's not a one of us that has anything that we can give unto God. The only thing we can do is give Him our sin, let Him wash it in the blood of Jesus Christ, and He'll give it back to us again, and it's washed, and it's washed whiter than snow. But I want you to notice what we read here in the book of John uh, for just a minute. John chapter 20, if you want to turn over and read for just a minute. John chapter 20. And I want you to skip down to about the 
Ninth verse. Jesus talking about the resurrection here. Notice what he said here. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must, must rise again from the dead. Now, remember what we said in the beginning that must means an action of one, as we talked about, or the conduct of others towards us. Why did Jesus resurrect from the dead? Let's hit the rewind button for a minute. Why did Jesus die? Let's rewind a little bit further. We know that Jesus died because of sin, so let's go back a little further than that. Why did Jesus even come to this earth? You mean to tell me that we can tell each other over and over and over again, well, I sure wouldn't call our family loved ones back from heaven. Why do we say that? Why do we say that I would not bring somebody back to heaven because we truly and honestly understand that heaven is far greater than anything we have here on this earth? Would you agree to that? Folks, that's what Jesus left. I want you to comprehend that for just a minute. Jesus didn't leave a worse situation and come somewhere better. He left heaven and he came down to earth. And I believe that there was a purpose and a reason for that. It's because of you and me. That's not negotiable today. God knew that man was going to have to have a sacrifice and it was going to have to be pleasing unto God. And it's the first fruits of them that slept. And you know what? Even those he said that did not understand, he said, for yet as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. You know what, today I believe that Jesus was going to rise again. He told, he even prophesied himself. He said, he said he is going to be put to death. But his, his reassurance and comfort was, but do not worry and do not fret. For he said in three days, he said, I'll rise again. You know what, folks, when, when, that was non-negotiable. It was going to happen. You see, when Jesus rose again, and I believe that he rose, and he defeated the grave right then and there. When he resurrected out of that grave, he become victorious. And you and I today, notice what it said, that, that, that when it come time for the offering to be made before God, they would take their crops, and they would bring them before God, and they would give God the very best that they could offer in a time of harvest. You see what? When we talk about an offering made unto God, folks, the very best that heaven and earth had to offer, to offer before God, was Jesus Christ. He was the very best. And I'll even go on to say, He's the only. And you know what? The Scripture teaches us there in the book of 1 Corinthians that, that when these offerings were brought before God, they were approved by God. You know what, we, we, we have a process today by which meat and other things are tested and it's either approved or not approved. Folks, you know what, today God approved what Jesus did on the cross. He approved the work that was there. It was sufficient. And you know what the Bible says? That it was sufficient enough to resurrect one out of the dead. And he said, and he tells us there in, in the first Corinthians, he said, he was the first fruits of them that slept. But you know why he identified himself as that? He was the first one. But he was not going to be the last one. Folks, today I believe all within me, there are going to be other people that's going to rise from their graves and they're going to come out of there. Why? Because they've been saved by the grace of God and they're going to be victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And I believe in that. That's a must that happened there. It's non-negotiable this morning that we see that there's only one person that made a sacrifice that was sufficient in order to be saved. And that's the work of Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, has Jesus done a work in you? Has He done the things that you stand in need of? And it's important that we understand 
that he must rise again from the dead. You know, a lot of people feel like the grave is victorious. A lot of people feel like the grave is where the victory is and that, that, that sin has finally won. Folks, today I want you to know something. I hope you all will agree with me on this. That sin does not win. The blood of Jesus Christ can. But you know what? Today, for those today, they let sin win because they don't have the blood of Jesus. Again, there's a difference in having the blood available versus having the blood applied. There's, I believe, an abundance of the blood of Jesus today. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Folks, Jesus didn't donate blood. The scripture says he shed it, which means it cost him his life. You see, he shed his blood. He was caught there. And it's like we would understand in the spiritual basin. And it's there for you to take it and apply it to your soul. And it can be done by the Holy Spirit. Have you had that application this morning? Have you had that? For that's non-negotiable. For we see here that you must, he said. He said, and for even Jesus, for he said that he must rise again from the dead. You know what, today for anybody to ever go to heaven, I believe spiritually speaking, their soul that is dead, they're going to have to rise again. You remember one of the first verses you read to you there in John? It says you must be born again. We might go back and read some of that in a minute, but you see there was some somewhat of confusion. You know, it says, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He says, no. He said, you got to be born again from above. You see what this morning, what's of the utmost important that we realize is that, that the dead must rise again. That soul that is dead this morning, there has to be a resurrection of the soul. Uh, there has to be something that was alive. Paul said, ye who were dead uh, and, and trespasses that and sin, he said, hath he quickened? And he says, quicken means to be made alive, folks. We're not a dead people. We're not a silent people. We are a living people today. And I want you to notice what he said here is that that he must rise again from the dead. Do you believe today that these things must happen? Do you believe that these things must transpire? Luke chapter 21. Let me read you a verse if I may. Luke chapter 21. Let me read to you the ninth verse. Luke 21 and verse 9. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. In other words, when, when, when things get a lot uneasy in your life, he said, don't worry about it. He said, they're not going to catch me off guard. I'm fully aware of that. For he said, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. What do you mean by that? He said, it's not immediately going to happen. He says, you're, you're not going to catch God off guard. Some may even think right now in the current life by which you and I are living in that things are happening that God can't control. I want to tell you something I firmly and deeply believe. God is still in control right now. God's in control of all things and all places and all situations and circumstances. God's in control. And we see here in the scriptures that he says, don't panic. He says, don't worry about those things. He said, they must happen. Matthew, I believe it is, 24th chapter also tells us very similar to that. Matthew 24 and in verse 5 or verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war, so that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You know, this morning, what's important for us to realize is all these things must happen. You know, if we could grab a a timeline of life, we would probably all have choices. What could we pull out of our life? 
You'd probably want to say, let's go along the, the, the course of history and let's pull this out and say, let's let not that event happen. There's lots of prophecies, there's lots of scripture that tells us things are going to happen. We do not have a choice to pull things out. He says, no, let them happen. He said, because these are all part of what I've said is going to happen. He said, but don't fret, don't worry, don't be afraid. He said, I know these things are going to happen. He said, I'm not going to be caught off guard. And that's why he warns them. He says, for these things must come to pass. Aren't you glad this morning that there's some things that must happen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and notice what he says in the 10th verse. And I want you to listen. Remember what I said about there's, there's no exemptions. This is not negotiable. For we must all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now there's some ideas that we're all going to be put together. But let's, let's dispel that myth for just a minute. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Folks, today, there's a lot of people that I would love just to take them and put them right behind me and say, let's skip this for you. I'll take this one. But you know what, folks? There's not a one of us that's going to be able to stand for somebody else, for we must. All appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, that's non-negotiable. God didn't come down and say, do you want to do this or not? God didn't come down and say, do you, do you want to exempt people from that? There's not a one, he said. And I believe what he said right there. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Folks, today I believe that God knows all that we do. And we must be held accountable for all that we do. We must be. And it scares me and it, it humbles me. It troubles me. It's concerning to me of all the things in my life that, that we take and we set aside. And the Bible says very plainly that we must all appear. Notice what he said, that, that we're all going to see it. I must all be free for the judgment seat of Christ. You see, a lot of people want to know who's the number one. Who's the top? Who's the one that we want to answer to? Some people, instead of, instead of going through the chain of command, they like to skip and go all the way to the top. And that's okay. Different, different systems have different uh, systematic of things, but that's okay. But you know what? When we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, it means an elevated seat. It means one that ranks above everybody else. Folks, when we talk about his seat elevated above all others, it means all are underneath him. So let's pause right there for just a minute. All these people that are under the authority of Christ, they can tell you everything they want. In other words, a person can tell you that this is right or this is what you should do or should not do, but that does not become a higher priority than what Christ says. People can tell you all day long, well, you're saved or you're lost. Folks, that is not a higher priority than what Jesus says. Well, preacher, Jesus is not here. I need people to tell me my condition. Folks, Jesus is right here with us. How is Jesus with us? He's gone. He says, it's expedient that I go away. 
He said, if I go away, I'm going to send another comforter. That's a capital C, meaning a person. Folks, the Holy Spirit began to descend upon human beings. And we can feel Christ with us. Not just Emmanuel being God with us and Jesus. We get Christ with us. We get His Spirit with us. And what I want you to notice is, is that people in this tier or this level of people can tell you all day long you're saved and you're lost. But I ask you today, what does Christ say? It's His Spirit spoken unto you saying that you are redeemed. It's His Spirit spoken unto you saying that you are a lost individual, folks. That is non-negotiable. That, that, that seat that is above everything else. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He is above everything else. Many times we have conversations and people say, Well, this person told me this or this person told me that. You know what, today, let, let's eliminate what everybody else says and let's say... What does Jesus say? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, if there's too long of a line, or it's too busy, maybe I can find another judge. You know, one court system's too busy, they'll move you somewhere else. Maybe I can find a judge that's more lenient, folks. We're all going to stand before the same person. And it's all going to happen to us exactly the same for he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. I want to turn back to John chapter 3 for just a minute and I'm going to press shortly. He told Nicodemus, he said, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The 14th verse, remember this is necessary. It's not elective. It's not negotiable. 14th verse, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's all part of God's plan. But I want to read to you 30th verse. And I want to close with this. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all, and that is of the earth, is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Listen to what he said. He must increase. We must decrease. This morning, what are your non-negotiables? What's some things that you're not going to compromise, you're not going to give in? What are some things that are non-negotiables? You're not going to get exemptions. We're not going to find any way around it. There's no alternatives, folks. For he says there in that seventh verse, Marvel not that I said to thee, ye must be born again.